to Sizzlin' Era Outdoors, where we learn to cultivate, harvest, and prepare clean, organic food. I am Paul Rhodes, the host and founder for this podcast and the company known as Sizzlin' Arrow Outdoors. So, you know, first of all, I want to just thank everyone for listening today. And if you've been listening to Sizzlin' Arrow for any time now or any period of time, you know that we focus on building awareness, knowledge, and education so people can become more self-sufficient when it comes to providing food for their tables. Uh, We also work on building connections with farmers, hunters, and chefs to gain the necessary knowledge we need to be able to break away from the GMO and processed foods that we find ourselves eating nearly every day, if not every day. So lastly, we provide support for our local farmers, our hunters, and chefs within our communities to help them grow in their said industry or hobby. So that's really what Sizzlin' Arrow is about. So if you've been listening to us for any time now, uh, as I mentioned, thank you. And if you're just tuning in, welcome. And we look forward to taking this journey along with everybody. And hopefully you'll find some useful information within what we're talking about and within the interviews that we have. So anyway, today we are going to talk about sustainability, not just sustainable farming practices, but sustainable life choices as well. In order to keep our food, selves, kids, and of course the planet healthy, we must find ways to improve and maintain the organic nature uh, we find around us. So that really means, you know, less pesticides, less human involvement, really less meddling with mother nature in certain instances with this one less meddling in mother nature is better when it comes to being sustainable and keeping the earth providing for us year after year generation after generation so what does sustainable mean according to webster's dictionary sustainable is defined as able to be used without being completely used up or destroyed And number two, involving methods that do not completely use up or destroy natural resources. Um, We're going to kind of dig into these two. There is one other part of the definition that I want to touch on a little bit later, but we're going to dig into these because these kind of primarily partake into the farming practices. So let's talk about the land and growing crops, raising livestock, and, um, you know, just other recreational purposes that we find ourselves doing, whether it's on our own land or in public land. But, you know, the land has to be used in such a way that it produces uh, for us, as I said, year after year, generation after generation. And in order to do that, we must care for the land and put back what we take out or at least replenish something of similar nature that we have taken from the land. So uh, one way to do this, as we are talking about, is being regenerative or having sustainable practices within that. Regenerative farming practices focus on these type of activities uh, that we're going to discuss here in just a second to produce a more sustainable approach than the actual commercial farming practices that are over tilling, destroying, and just not keeping the land where it should be and actually making the soil uh, unusable. But anyway, number one part of sustainable or regenerative farming practices is the use of cover crops. So, you know, some of the key benefits to using cover crops and really cover crops are just a plant or crop that is not used for cash crops, but it's used to cover up the ground and retain moisture and help with certain pests. Some people use peas, uh, others, I think it's rye or wheat, barley, I think is another one, but you know, just certain crops that kind of cover up the ground. One thing that also a benefit to having a cover crop is it also provides a good source for your wildlife. It'll 
bring in deer. I like having a food plot, but it also provides benefits for your cash crops as well. So anyway, going into the key benefits of using the cover crops. So uh, as we mentioned, it reduces the need for herbicides and pesticides because it minimizes the uh, pests that are prevalent in the soil, uh, improving the overall soil health by increasing the soil's organic matter over time. It gives you less erosion and tilling. So if you don't have, I mean, if your soil's in good health, you're not going to have to till it up to break it up and all that good stuff. It conserves the soil moisture, which will also help with the less erosion and tilling. Um, and it also causes, you know, less need for water. It's going to retain the rainwater that comes in depending on where you are. You know, that's very, I mean, it, no matter where you are, uh, the rain is very helpful and uh, kind of sacred to the farming practices or growing any kind of vegetables or crop. And this also protects from harmful runoff. So if you're using less pesticides because of the uh, cover crop limiting the pests that are in there, uh, you're going to have less runoff of chemicals going into the drinking water, into the soil, into the rivers and streams. And, you know, it you have less erosion uh, as well uh, from the runoff. So, you know, just all that stuff kind of ties together. And, you know, really in all reality this is ultimately going to protect our personal health as well because we have less chemicals being used for the vegetables that we're growing so a lot of, a lot of benefits with that now another thing with uh, regenerative or sustainable farming practices is no use of pesticides or synthetic fertilizers uh, that really you know you limit the use of those as we said before uh, the less chemicals we use when growing our vegetables the less chemicals we ingest I mean it's just as a matter of fact, if we put chemicals into the soil, the roots soak up these chemicals and they ultimately get into our food or vegetables that we're eating. So why are we going to eat a item that is supposed to be healthy for us, but it's laced with harmful chemicals and pesticides and poison practically? The chemicals and everything, as we said before, do cause harmful runoff into our streams, rivers, and drinking water. Where I'm at in North Carolina, um, all our pretty much all our streams here uh, with the fish have a consumption advisory. I mean, that that's from pollution because you're not supposed to eat a certain amount of fish. I don't know what the numbers are. I haven't looked at it recently. I think it's like one or two maybe every couple weeks possibly. I think that's for bass, but don't quote me on those numbers. But anyway, we've got a consumption advisory on fish within our streams. And honestly, it's just, it's really saddening because I mean, it could have been prevented. So anyway, with the chemicals running into the drinking water, having in our streams and rivers, causing the consumption advisory, not being able to be filtered out of the drinking water completely. You know, this is why we need to find alternatives to, to using harmful chemicals to treat our crops. So, you know, such as cover crops. Um, also, a lot of weeds that are being treated are becoming somewhat immune to these chemicals, which is resulting in having to use more chemicals to keep the weeds at bay. So again, more immunity of the pests that we're trying to get rid of or you know, weeds, the more chemicals you're going to have to use, which in result is more harmful 
chemicals going into our soil, food, drinking water, etc. Uh, another practice that is used is crop rotations. You know, crop rotation is when using the same block of land to plant different crops each year instead of planting the same crop year after year in the same field. So really the reason for doing this is primarily to maintain good physical, chemical, and biological conditions within the soil. Um, you know, if you, for example, if you plant different crops each year, this gives the soil time to regenerate the minerals and necessary nutrients that the previous crop had used um, or had used. Each crop uses different nutrients and minerals, which I found interesting. I did not know that until I started doing the research. Um, if you plant the same crop year after year, the soil became becomes unable to produce the necessary minerals for plant growth. So if you plant the same crop year after year, the soil will become unable to produce the necessary minerals for plant growth and to sustain plant health, making the soil practically unusable. The last thing that I'm going to talk about on the uh, regenerative farming practices is grazing of animals, cows, goats, and sheep. A few key benefits to this are control of invasive plant species from taking over a specific pasture. Now, kind of going into a backstory, you know, we, I grew up in Wyoming and we had issue with uh, spurge. So leaky spurge, an invasive plant that kind of takes over uh, the grass and all that jazz. So cows wouldn't eat it, but sheep, goats primarily would eat this. So we would, you know, let people that have goats come and graze their goats in our pasture to eat up the spurge, which in result, kept us from having to spray harmful chemicals to control the spurge. So that was the, the bonus there. So that's kind of a, you know, example of controlling invasive plants. So another thing is natural fertilizer is made through the animal manure. So animals will walk through the property, crap on the, the ground, push it in with their hooves and just kind of naturally fertilize the ground. Also it causes a little bit of aeration uh, when they do that, when they're walking around the property and, you know, with the aeration, um, it'll stimulate the grass growth as well. As long as the animals are migrated to different pastures on kind of a regular basis and not overgraze, this is a huge benefit and it's not going to hurt the soil. It's only going to improve it. Uh, last thing is increasing of soil carbon and nitrogen within the soil. And that is done by what we just talked about, the fertilizer, the aeration, all that stuff. So uh, grazing animals, if done properly and done in moderation, will really benefit the land and the soil that you have on your land and also simulate grass growth and uh, just increase the potential that you have there. So again, if done correctly, regenerative farming seems to be a pretty good way to be sustainable. You're using the land, but not using it up. You're taking, but also giving back to ensure that the land is able to produce year after year. So in my opinion, that is sustainable. Now let's talk about the last part of the definition. The last part of the definition is ability to last or continue for a long time. So this can be tied into pretty much anything uh, within our lives. So farming, life, health, nature, etc. So it, it pretty much covers a broad range of things. When being sustainable, you need to be able to continue for a long period of time. You, I mean, for example, you should be able to walk or hike for miles without needing to stop, especially, you know, this is very important if you're a hunter or hiker or camper or just an outdoorsman in general, you should be able to walk miles upon miles to without stopping or needing to take a break because you are winded or your legs are giving out on you so you need to be able to do that because as a hunter 
myself, I need to be able to cover a lot of ground, especially if I'm only on a, let's say if I go out west on a seven day hunt, I need to be able to cover a lot of ground during that time uh, to be successful because you're not going to be able to be as successful as you can be with just covering a couple miles for a seven day period. So you really need to be able to go long periods of time without needing to stop. Um, similar to, you know, our land needs to produce year after year, as we've mentioned before. And, you know, again, our health should not decline until we're well into our golden years, at least ideally, you know, sometimes things happen that are beyond our control, but, you know, in an ideal world, we, we should have good health up until our very late years in life. You know, all this can be tied into being sustainable. And, you know, here are a couple of reasons why I think that is the case. You know, we as humans, we need to be active daily. We must exercise, uh, not just eat healthy, but, you know, keep our bodies moving and in motion. You know, whether that's 30 minutes, one hour uh, a day, you know, everyone can break away that that much time during the day. You know, whether it's getting up earlier, staying up a little bit later, that that's just something that you can, I mean, 30 minutes isn't that bad. You know, another thing is you know, plenty of sleep. You know, if you don't get enough sleep, you're not going to be as productive or capable uh, as if you get enough sleep. So anyway, going back into the daily activities or being active, you know, we're not meant to sit in front of the computer screen for eight hours a day, then go home. You know, most of us will drink a beer, watch TV, then go to bed and just do the same damn thing over and over and over again. Just, just monotonous, same schedule day after day. So break it up a little bit be a little more exciting. You know, we have to keep ourselves in shape. You know, as I mentioned, as a hunter, we have to be able to walk long periods of time without getting winded or needing to stop. So a few things that you can do, run on a daily basis, do some strength training, even just taking long walks. You know, me, sometimes I like to fill up my backpack with 50, 60 pounds and go, go for like a couple mile hike. That'll get you prepared for that too. And also build up your leg muscles and all that. But, uh, one way of being sustainable is to be active and keep your uh, health in good shape. You know, another thing, number two, as I mentioned before, our farmlands need to be in good health to provide the necessary food for our families and to be able to produce for generations. The public lands and waters are no different. If we don't respect our lands and water the way uh, waterways now, um, you know, they're not going to be available for our future generations. So if we don't treat it well and treat it with respect, it's not going to take care of us as as it should. You know, we must pick up after ourselves and leave the outdoors and nature untouched. It is far too often that whether I'm out on a hike or out on the lake or, you know, just running in my neighborhood that I see trash spread across the roadways, uh, floating in the lakes, uh, on the riverbanks, you know, in the woods. It's, it's, it's unpleasant. It's terrible to look at. Uh, it's honestly very aggravating to me because, you know, I don't litter. <laughs> I pick up after other people's stuff. I kind of feel like someone's mom out there picking up after them. So, I mean, we're all adults. Pick up after yourself. Leave the property or land the way better than when you found it. So one thing that I would recommend is just take a bag outside with you and just put a little Walmart bag, something, and a pair of gloves, and just kind of pick up little things as you go along. Uh, it's a great way to do our part and also keep our uh, communities and public lands clean. Anyway, so with the 
trash and everything. You know, these are these items, mostly items I see, you know, plastic bottles, glass, balloons, all that junk are not biodegradable and they are not going to be broken down. They're going to be there for years and years and years. You know, they pollute the soil and the water. They're harmful to the wildlife. And again, it's, it's a very simple fix. Just pick up after yourself. You know, being lazy and messy and being a slob is not sustainable. And if you're going to be like that and you're not going to respect the outdoors, just stay at home and be a slob in your own house. That way nobody else has to see it. So that's on you. Just stay out of the outdoors if you're going to be that way. Number three, our health is up to each and every one of us on a daily basis to make sure that we maintain and keep it in good check. So, you know, this is really based on the decisions that we make on a daily basis. Uh, a lot of that has to do with the food that we're putting into our body. You know, I really became aware of this probably four or five years ago. You know, I, I've not always been the most health conscious person. Uh, I don't mind admitting that, you know, I, I used to drink a lot of beer, uh, a lot of soda. Um, so about four years, five years ago, I started really kind of looking into what I was doing uh, as far as what I was consuming, realizing that the way that I felt had a lot to do with what I was putting in my body. I felt sluggish, irritable, depressed, just not not good, good stuff. And, you know, once I switched up my eating habits, all that kind of changed. You know, I added an exercise routine, started drinking a lot more water. I cut out the soda. Um, very, I, I cut down on the beer a lot. You know, I, I still like a good beer here and there. I mean, I don't know many people that don't, but, you know, do it within moderation. You know, don't sit down and drink a whole damn six pack in one sitting. But, you know, you can have one with dinner or whatnot, but, you know, just do it in moderation. Soda, like I said, I cut that out completely. One reason I cut that out is because I used to clean the soda lines in the restaurant I worked at a long time ago and, you know, all the gunk and syrup and just build up and nasty stuff. I, I can only imagine because it does that to the lines and plastic lines. I can only imagine what that does in your body. So ugh, terrible stuff. But anyway, you can kind of look at this as similar to putting unleaded fuel in a Ferrari. The car is not going to run at its best. Uh, and eventually, if you keep putting this unleaded uh, non-premium fuel in this very expensive sports car, uh, the engine will become significantly damaged over time and it's not going to work the way it should. So our bodies are the same way. If we eat low-grade food, such as McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, whatever it may be, our bodies are not going to perform at their best and eventually we'll become severely overweight. Our arteries will become clogged up and a you know, possibility for heart disease and strokes uh, significantly increase. So eventually we will start to break down if we keep loading ourselves up with crappy, unnourishable or unnourishing food. You know, this too is very easily to be fixed. We just need to make better eating choices and cook at home. You know, not frozen dinners. Okay, don't don't go to the freezer aisle. No cheating. Uh, don't go in the freezer aisle, grab a frozen dinner, Stouffer's or whatever. That's not cooking at home. Uh, you need to actually cook nutritious meals, get a cookbook, you know, look at YouTube, follow some of the recipes there. A lot of recipes online. But just know where your food comes from. Go to the farmer's market. Get shop local, whether it's just once a week. You know, go and get some high-quality meat, high-quality vegetables. Just be knowledgeable of what you are eating and where your produce and food comes from. You know, eating the GMO and processed foods, in my opinion, it's not a sustainable life choice. 
So being sustainable is truly a part of life. You know, we must focus on being sustainable in everything we do so we can ensure that our future generations have a great start, that we're able to stay around long enough to enjoy our kids and our grandkids and be able to watch them grow up and teach them about our life lessons that we learned to try to help them along with their path and make sure they don't make the same mistakes that we've done. So really just doing the right, making the right decisions and taking care of your health and land and taking care of the nature that's around us is one great way of being sustainable. So um, if we take action today, you know, it's not going to be an easy fix, but we can start doing the right things and right practices and behaviors to improve the world that we live in right now. That's all I have for you today. You know, I feel it's important that we look at what needs to be changed and actually work on changing it instead of wishing that it would change. Things aren't going to happen just by saying, oh, God, I wish that would change. No, we need to go out and make action. So, you know, start working on the sustainable practicing now. Pick up the trash that you see. Pick up your trash after yourself. Stop eating fast food and GMO foods. You know, at least cut that back as much as you possibly can. We may not be able to get away from it all together, but we can do a better job of doing it in moderation. Anyway, I appreciate y'all listening today. And please make sure that you subscribe. And if you like today's episode, please leave me a five-star rating and review. You know, those really go a long way to get the word out there and get more listeners to check out Sizzlin' Arrow. You know, also make sure that you check us out and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. And, you know, we've also got a YouTube channel. Got a few videos up there. Uh, working on getting more content on that uh, every week. You know, this way you can kind of keep up with what we're doing and see, you know, what we have going on. Uh, We should be looking at doing some possible workshops coming up here in the future. Uh, Haven't got all the details ironed out on that yet, but those are definitely some things to be looking out for. We will be back here the last day of the month with an interview show with Jennifer Lusky from Rare Earth Farms. You know, make sure you check that out. It's a great conversation. Her and I talk about farming practices, what they do at Rare Earth Farms, and uh, it's just a great conversation. Had a good time talking with her but in the meantime get to the woods get in the kitchen and just simply make things happen take care everyone thanks again